You're listening to the Crypto Markets Wiki podcast, brought to you by John Lothian News. Carlos Domingo was a board member or executive at 18 different tech firms before he founded Securitize, the aptly named blockchain company that securitizes assets in the form of digital tokens and is currently working on expanding its product and service offerings. The company recently made a rather big acquisition, signing a deal with an SEC and FINRA registered broker, dealer, and ATS called Distributed Technology Markets, LLC and pending regulatory approval, seems on track to become an end-to-end digital securities platform that offers both securities issuance and trading through secondary markets. Carlos, welcome to the program. Hi, Matt. Nice meeting you, and thanks for inviting me. Yeah, my pleasure. So how are, how are things with you these days? How are you and Securitize adapting to the pandemic? Look, I mean, we are a company that was very distributed before the pandemic. Already. <laughs> so uh, I myself uh, live in a place where actually I'm the only employee and I used to be traveling around the different offices. We have an office in San Francisco, another one in New York. Our engineering team is uh, in Israel and Argentina. Then we have some people in Madrid, some people in Japan. So um, I think that everybody adapted very quickly to work remotely because they were already operating remotely. I think for me personally, I was the biggest one affected in the sense that I used to go around the different offices traveling almost every week and then obviously I had to stop doing that and start working from home with three little kids, which was a bit challenging. <laughs> <laughs> But now, look, I mean, uh, after March and April being a bit disrupted uh, with people not knowing what was going to happen, I think after that, things have kind of gone back to normal and um, we're just probably doing better than before because, uh, you know, digitization has become a much more predominant, uh, you know, thing for everybody. Um, and that obviously, that's what we do. We help people digitize private capital markets. So so I think that, you know, the, the, the trend of the pandemic is, is kind of, uh, working well for us. And as you mentioned in the introduction, we came across uh, DTM uh, during this pandemic and ended up acquiring the company, so, which is a great thing. Terrific. Well, congratulations. Uh, it's good to see, good to hear that you guys are still plugging away and, uh, you know, uh, things haven't affected you uh, as, as direly as they could have. So that's really good to hear. Uh, so I wanted to, I wanted to start here by uh, kind of going over your background a little bit. Uh, the crypto space, obviously, and crypto and blockchain space, I should qualify. Uh, so the blockchain space is obviously kind of a newer sector. Um, so I was wondering what made you want to get into the blockchain space in the first place? Look, um, I came across blockchain around you know, 2015, 2016. At that time, I was based in Dubai. Um, I was working for a telecommunications company. Uh, had been working on the telco space at that time for kind of like 10 years. Um, and before that, I was doing like 10 years of startups uh, doing the dot-com. Um, and then, you know, I came across blockchain. Uh, I thought it was very interesting. That could be very revolutionary in terms of, you know, helping digitize, uh, you know, financial services and capital markets. And I felt that, you know, my experience of working in small companies, large companies, and also in regulated entities could be uh, valuable. So I kind of was, you know, drawing into the, the space uh, and, and started looking for a project to do and then ended up, you know, and with the problem of how to issue a token for a VC fund, which, you know, helped me learn a lot about securities and financial services and capital markets, and then, you know, funding securities out of that. So we talked about it a little bit in the intro. Can you tell our listeners a little bit more about what Securitize does? 
So what we do is um, we have a platform that operates on top of the blockchain that allows people to basically digitize the process of issuing and serving securities that are represented in the blockchain as tokens. You know, there's an evolution of, you know, the existing way that people deal with digital securities, which is electronic book entries called book entry securities, which is basically an entry in a database versus representing as a native digital asset on the blockchain that is programmable and that you can program the behavior of, of the asset as well as the compliance around the asset. And that we believe that the same way that, you know, when people move from LPs to CDs, it's kind of like the first step in the digitization process. But we really, when MP3s started to be available and people could just buy individual songs or put hundreds of songs on a device or then doing music streaming to open up new ways of consuming music, we believe that the same thing will happen with securities, that, you know, book enter securities kind of is the first step into the digitization and you know digital securities on the blockchain is kind of like the next uh, evolution of this. So we help issuers do that and manage their securities on the blockchain. And as you mentioned in the intro, we are now buying a, a broker dealer that has an ATS to be able to create a secondary market to trade private securities efficient. So you touched on it a little bit there, but what would you say is the biggest thing that, that sets Securitize apart from a traditional ATS once regulatory approvals are finalized? So for, first, there's not that many ATSs out there. So and, and in the US, there's thousands of broker dealers, but there's only like around 50 or so that have an ATS that allows them to trade you know, private security. Uh, there's a lot of obviously people trading public securities, but I think that where the opportunity is on private securities, it's a much larger market that is extremely liquid. So within those ATSs, there's very few that actually have approval from uh, FINRA and the SEC to be able to deal with digital asset securities, basically securities issue on the blockchain. So so this is a very unique asset to start with because there's very few companies that have them. And and so far, the market has not really developed and there's no, none of them that actually is, will consider, be considered the, the leading company in the space. I think that the fact that we are already a transfer agent operating on the blockchain and have very close to 150 customers now, many of them that are probably targets for being listed on the on the ATS it's and that we can provide probably a much better integrated end-to-end experience is what sets us apart from from all the companies in this space. So what does the process of tokenizing assets look like for Securitize? So to tokenize the asset you typically have to these these are assets that are securities right so so this has First, you have to onboard all the investors that are going to hold the securities and they have to pass, uh, you know, let's say the approval of whether they're able to invest and to hold that particular security, which will depend largely on, on the exceptions the security is following or the country where it has been issued, uh, the restrictions they have, etc. So we kind of automate and digitize all the process. And then we create a smart contract that basically issues the tokens that represents the securities in, in, in for the investors. And those smart contracts contain all the let's say rules of the security, whether it's the automation of some of the asset servicing characteristics or whether it's the compliance rules around the security to make sure those securities never go out of compliance when they've been issued on the blockchain and then they trade. So that's kind of the process. Onboard investors, get them investor accounts in our our platform, then create the smart contracts, issue the tokens, put them in either the wallets or the custody wallets, depending on how they're choosing to hold their securities. And after that, everything becomes automated. it sounds like there's a lot of regulatory work that you have to work through. Is it tricky at all making digital tokens comply with existing KYC AML laws or other similar rules? Yeah, it is complicated because, you know, it's very heterogeneous depending on which country you're talking to, right? So, so the rules in the U.S. are complicated, but then on top of that, you have the rules in, in the other countries. I think by us being a, a regulated entity, 
entity already uh, as a registered transfer agent with the SEC. That's what we do for a living, right? So uh, make sure we do have an understanding of those rules and we apply the compliance rules to the securities we manage in the company. And I believe this is besides the technology, that's another of the, if you want, advantages that we bring to issuers that sometimes for them, it's going to be very costly and expensive to to figure these things out. So, so because we've done it many times, and of course, we still need mm. to get their legal team to review and approve things. But nevertheless, we can, you know, save them a lot of time and money with our past experience. Is there is there a difference in in difficulty in terms of ensuring compliance in different markets? Like, is is are European regulations, for example? more strict than U.S. ones? Is Southeast Asia a little bit of an easier space for what you're trying to do? Look, uh, I think, you know, after being in this space for a few years, one thing I learned is that the philosophy of the regulators, it is the same everywhere. So regulators are basically want to protect, you know, the, the little guy, the retail investor, right? So, yeah. so all the rules uh, end up being similar in the spirit of, okay, these securities are private securities. They're not registered, so the regulator has not verified anything about them. And therefore, you know, they want to make sure that only people that can afford to lose money hold those securities. And, and that if you want to do anything beyond that, then either you have to register the security or you have to do some sort of regulatory process. Of course, the specific rules about, you know, what exemptions you need to follow, who can hold them, whether there's any restrictions, stuff like that is, is very different country to country. And that's part of the complexity of, of what we do to try to isolate that complexity from from the issuers and provide a platform that, you know, over the years we've spent a lot of legal fees with different lawyers in different countries, building all these compliance rules into the platform. So, but I don't know, I wouldn't say it's more difficult in one country than another country. I think different, but not necessarily more complex. So I wanted, I wanted to take kind of a, a slight detour just for a second here. Uh, while I've got you on the line here, there's something I did want to ask, mostly for my curiosity, but I think a lot of people would be interested in this question. In May 2019, Securitize open sourced the code for Securitize's protocol. Why was that decision made? Well, look, um, in this industry, there's, you know, there's an, uh, an open source ethos about being able to access the code and things like that. And, and we didn't open source the code at the beginning. We didn't feel the need. A lot of the other companies were doing it. But at some point in time, we started doing more and more integrations with third-party companies, either custodians or with, uh, you know, other ATSs that, you know, attempted to launch uh, in the past, etc. So we felt that by open sourcing this, we were you know, make it easier for people to basically access what they need to access of our protocol to be able to, you know, integrate it. We didn't think that anybody was going to basically take it and try to build a, a competing product, uh, even though that's a, a risk. But it was more done because of uh, facilitating integration and understanding of what we do. So it was done and, and that's it. I don't think it actually had a, any uh, particularly positive or negative impact in what we did, but we felt that given the industry where we operate, that was the right thing to do. So I want to get back to some of your more recent developments. So you recently signed an agreement with Distributed Technology Markets LLC, as I mentioned earlier, and that's part of a family of companies that includes Velocity Platform, which is a regulated money transmitter licensed to do businesses in multiple U.S. states. So how does this acquisition factor into Securitize's long-term goals? So look, our long-term goal is always to, to be able to you know, provide liquidity for private capital markets. And, uh, and if you think about our the, the initial project we did with SpiceBC, the whole pitch was, okay, we're going to build a liquid fund that instead of locking up LPs for seven to 10 years, it will allow you to trade your position out in a very simple way. 
And we thought that we didn't actually have to build the marketplace, but we needed to build the, the issuance platform and the asset servicing technology and the compliance technology and integrate with ATSs. And that was our original business plan. And we never thought we had to get into that part of the value chain. We raised money in 2018 under that premise and, and again in 2019. And then we talked to a lot of companies, more than 40 companies that were planning on launching secondary market trading for private securities in different geographies in the US, through an ATS, UK, Japan, Singapore, Hong Kong, etc. And then after, you know, two years in this industry, you know, that actually had not happened. So almost nobody has launched. The ones that launched were either not using blockchain in the, in the, or at all, or, or in the way we thought they had to do it to benefit from the advantages of the technology or some others that from a technology perspective, we're kind of doing the right thing, but then they completely failed to evolve the product or bring any liquidity. And and we, we were frustrated about that. We had five securities trading on an ATS in the US, which in the last three months, they only generating $30,000 of trading, three zero. So it's like a ridiculously low amount. So, um, and, you know, we felt we can wait for somebody to go and fix this problem, or, you know, we can probably, if we find a license, uh, you know, the right license, and we can probably build an end-to-end vertically integrated business with our own license. And this hopefully will also steer up competition and more ATS will come online, uh, et cetera, when they see what we do. So we kind of took this detour in our original strategy and decided to go on and get an ATS. And then getting an ATS, you can either go through the regulatory profit process of getting a broker dealer, then an ATS, getting approved for digital assets, et cetera. And we felt that it's going to take us like two years and it's going to have a lot of uncertainty in terms of when can we finish this process or identify somebody we could purchase, right? And there's not that many companies out there, as I mentioned, and we know all of them. And then we came across DTM, which at that time was about to get the approval from FinRed for digital assets. So it was perfect because they were kind of flying under the radar. And we liked the team very much, very strong from a technology perspective, very strong from a regulatory understanding of digital assets perspective, and, and a kind of a clean slate in the sense that they had actually not launched. So we didn't have inherited any you know, legacy problems or, or legacy platforms, et cetera. So, so we kind of really thought this is the opportunity we should go and make it happen. So besides that recent acquisition, Securitize was recently named the designated digital transfer agent and issuance and compliance platform for BlockPal's BPX token. And BlockPal is a blockchain-based money transmitter. In what other ways are you engaging with the more blockchain-centric side of the industry? So look, we have a lot of companies, a lot of customers that come from the blockchain space because they are kind of like the early adopters of the technology and the guys that actually know the value of, uh, of digital securities. So obviously blockchain-based funds like blockchain capital, science, issuers like current, lottery, you know, blocks route, et cetera. So we do have a lot of customers already in the blockchain space and I believe that they're a good place to start because they're early adopters of, uh, of the technology because I think themselves, they understand the value of native digital asset representation on the on the blockchain. So we do our we are quite active on the space and on the media of the blockchain and, and we believe this is a very good place to start the business. But of course, you know, we also have a lot of customers that are completely unrelated to the blockchain. So what would you say is the biggest problem facing existing markets that tokenized assets could potentially provide a solution for? So I think that the uh, you know the main problem we're trying to tackle here is that Private capital markets are extremely liquid. So in the US, public markets have been shrinking. They used to be like around 10,000 publicly traded companies. There's now like 4,000. So it's less than half than it used to be like 20 years ago for a variety of reasons. The dot-com crash, the sovereign stocks, the compliance rules, the, the cost of doing it. And also the, the companies 
go public very late. Like, I don't know, if you look at when Microsoft or when Amazon went public, they were actually pretty small companies by the time they went public. But if you look at later, you know, Facebook or, or even more recently, you know, uh, Uber, et cetera, they go public after being 10 years old and having billions of dollars in market cap, hundreds of billions. So, so the, the value has been created on the private capital markets and private capital markets have actually grown much faster than public markets. But one of the problems they have there is that they are poorly digitized mm-hmm. and they're extremely illiquid. So if you look at public companies, the, 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 vol, the annual volume, trading volume is like 30 trillion. And if you look at private capital markets, the yearly annual the trading volume is like 100 billion. So there's a 200x delta between the two. And of course, private capital markets are never going to be as liquid as public capital markets for a variety of reasons. First, some companies that are very small. Second, some companies actually want to be private. But there is also a reason of inefficiency in the markets that make them difficult to trade. They're not digitized. Compliance rules are complex and they're not automated. You know, there's no price discovery and, uh, and there's a lot of problems on how private capital markets get traded. So we believe that without obviously going from to $30 trillion in trading volume, between $100 billion and $30 trillion, there's a huge gap that we can help to close and get private capital markets to be a little bit more liquid than they are today. And I believe part of that you know, comes from the advantages of blockchain-based securities that facilitate trading for private securities. Well, Carlos, once again, I want to thank you for uh, joining me here today. I got one last question, one last quick question for you here. Uh, what is coming up for Securitize? Is there any news that you can share with us? Well, look, the news are the, the acquisition. I think the next <laughs> will be Fair that enough. close it already. Uh, you know, as you know, this when you buy a regulated entity, first you have to sign a purchase agreement, and, and we already did that, and, and the deal is done from that perspective. But we have not got the regulatory approval, so as soon as we get it, I think we're going to announce uh, the closing of the acquisition as well as the launch uh, of the secondary market and the new brand and and everything. So hopefully, uh, very soon we'll be able to to give big news with our respect. And then, you know, very recently also, we you know, around once a year, I like to like publicly disclose some information about the company, even though we're not publicly today. I don't have to do it, but I think it's a healthy thing to do, which not everybody does in our industry. And and recently we announced we exceeded the more than 100 customers. So I think we're over 130 now, which is another big milestone that we had set up for ourselves because I think that already put us in a different league in terms of you know companies in the space is still a tiny number compared to the potential of the of the industry but nevertheless it was a first milestone that that we hit uh, recently that we're very proud of and i think the next milestone will be a thousand <laughs> awesome well once again thank you so much for joining me i've uh, had a great time talking to you here today looking forward to see what uh, what comes next for securitize For more news, videos, and podcasts like this, head over to johnlothiannews.com.